0: Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com.
1: Well, welcome, welcome. It's so good to be in God's house. and love you guys all hanging out and chatting together. Make sure you meet each other. But let's pray and get right into today's message. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. Your word is manna. It's practical. It's bread of life. It becomes part of who we are. It nourishes us. Your word is also seed planted deep in the good soil of our hearts. And through perseverance and retention, we produce a crop unto you. We grow and change. Holy Spirit, be our teacher, our transforming agent. Teach us what we need to know and prepare us for what is coming in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You could be seated. We're going to start with Ezekiel chapter 47 and verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks. This is a prophecy to Ezekiel from the Lord about the new church that he was going to establish, the temple, which is the day of the churches today. That's us. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will the fruit fail. This is you. This is you and your family. You're a tree. And you're flourishing. Every month they will bear fruit because the water, because the water, because the water, I'm stuck, from the sanctuary, say sanctuary, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. There's a because here. There's a positioning of certain trees that are of the children of God that have postured their lives and their families' lives in a different way than maybe other believers. And there's a special promise coming to them. Because the sanctuary of the water flows to them, their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This metaphor that God says that we're like a tree, a tree planted by streams of water in Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1, bearing fruit in season. Here it is. We're a tree. You're a tree. The the metaphor brings up a lot of characteristics and attributes in the kingdom of God that are relevant to today. A tree is what? It's planted it can't move laterally. It can sway, but it's not, it's not going anywhere. It's staying, and when it stays, it grows, but when it goes, it stops growing. And Jesus says that, that, and he's going to tell us in John chapter 15 and verse 1, that where we're connected to matters. There's a location. Every believer does not operate in the same blessing and flourishing as every other believer, but there are some believers who are rooted down in God's house where the sanctuary water is flowing to their roots, the supernatural abundant provision of God's water is coming into them. But you can also plant your family and you in the wilderness. Still a believer, the Israelites stuck in the wilderness, they were God's people, but they weren't experiencing the same thing. You can plant your family in Egypt. You can be like Lot and plant your family near Sodom and Gomorrah. You can plant your life anywhere. It's your free will. But God's saying to 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 us as trees, it's better to plant yourself in a place where flourishing happens. Plant yourself in God's house. Plant you and your family in God's house, and you'll flourish. You'll produce fruit, like a ton of fruit. Not just fruit in season, but a fruit every month. Praise the living God. For those who are planted in this, in this right space, what is flourishing to you? We have different definitions of what flourishing might be. Some Christians take the world's definition. Flourishing is the big house. You know, it's the stuff. It's the the the, the Lambo. Mm. Somebody sent me a picture of this uh this car behind me. It's for sale, one hundred and four thousand dollars. This is my dream car, just so you know. The Smokey and the Bandit nineteen eighty Firebird Trans Am. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not about the stuff, is it? I mean, I'm not anti-stuff. I mean, Father's Day's coming up, and I would love to have this car. So if somebody's like, if you're looking for gift ideas. I'm not going to reject it, but it's not about the stuff because the man who owned this car and owned 80 cars, collector's cars, including that one, he recently passed, and and my friend is in charge of selling off all the cars. Because why? Because we can't take stuff with us. So it's not about the stuff, is it? Stuff isn't bad, but you can't take it with you. It's really about the things that matter in life, flourishing. We sometimes think that like the Hollywood elite, they have everything. I mean kevin costner he doesn't have to worry about his bills he can go anywhere he wants whenever he wants there's nothing holding him back he must have everything he must love life he must be super happy but kevin costner recently had to cancel his hit tv series yeah yellowstone because why because his family just exploded his wife filed for divorce he's losing all the things that matter we'll pray for him nobody wants to go through that that's awful but no amount of money is going to replace that. Tom Cruise with his cool hair and his Top Gun sequel. The guy has everything, right? He's short like me. <laughs> but his daughter Suri, 16-year-old daughter Suri, won't have anything to do with him. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. But his daughter just had her last name changed because she doesn't even want to have her last name be his last name. She wants out of the family. No amount of money can, can make family work make relationships work and relationships and family that's what we take with us the family of God and then our families these are the things that matter I want my marriage working I want life to work I want to flourish in this life and God's saying listen there's flourishing happening for you but you gotta be in the right location get your roots in the right place it matters outside of this place there's withering happening and we don't want withering in our life and what is what does planted look like (laughs) can't move. It's stuck. Trees don't move around. They don't hop. They don't jump from place to place. They're planted. They're immovable. There's a city in Italy called Pompeii, an ancient city, and in 79 AD, Mount Versuvius erupted a volcano, and in just a second buried the entire city in ash, volcanic ash. And it was discovered in 1800s as they excavated carefully that the people of that city were frozen in place from the ash, and they were able to carefully excavate this through a process and reveal exactly the positioning that they were in. And you can go visit Pompeii today and find that what look like statues are actual real people frozen in time. And people were doing this, as you can imagine, during the volcano exploding. And they were doing this guarding their children, and they were wincing. But there was one man that Charles Spurgeon talks about. He's a Roman soldier. And this man was standing his post. And what was interesting about this man, he's a Roman soldier who had been trained not to move, not to cower, but to stand his ground no matter what was coming, that he wasn't wincing at all. He stood his post facing that eruption. Didn't squint, didn't put his hand here, just stood his ground and just took it immovable, unshakable, stand your ground kind of people. This is the soldiers of God. Come on, somebody. This is what it looks like to be immovable and unshakable. No matter what's coming at you, you stand your ground because you're a person of faith. You're a well-trained soldier. Amen? I know a guy who came and met me last week. He said, pastor, in January, I got born again. I got... I came to this church, and I was drunk, (laughs) I started laughing, he said, I was drunk, but I was lit, man, and then I received Jesus, and I got born again, and then I took your church challenge, he said, I did 12 weeks in a row, and I'm here right now today to tell you it works, he said, my life is completely different and transformed than when I started in January, and he said, and every week, I would call my girlfriend, I would say, oh my gosh, you missed church today. It was incredible. So then she would watch the live stream and find out what happened. She started watching the live stream every week. But then he said, you got to come because when you sit in the place, it's different than watching the stream. He said, you can feel God in this place. It's crazy. So she came last week. She came with him. I got to meet her too. She came and sat in the service and then she got born again. Come on, somebody. This incredible story. Now, as he starts to produce fruit, what's Satan going to do? He's got he's to get this. Step one is to get him away from the water. If you're going to attack a city in the old days, you had to surround that city, and you had to cut off the water supply. That's how you started to attack and defeat a city. Cut off the water supply. That's what Satan's going to want to do is cut off the water supply. Got to get him away from the sanctuary. Step one is to get him out of God's house. What's he going to do? Is he going to stay? Because what's going to happen? At some point, somebody's going to say something mean to him. At some point at church, he's going to get wounded. Lots of believers don't go to church, and if you find out what the reasons are, it's always the same reasons. It's people. They weren't hurt by Jesus. They weren't hurt by the Holy Spirit. They were hurt by people. Either the pastor had a moral failure, or the people said something mean. Or Because why? Because we're a family, and families fight. <laughs> We're a family and we're going to be brothers and sisters and we're going to gnaw on each other sometimes and we're going to say rude things and we're going to say mean things. We're going to forget each other's names sometimes and we're going to do things that might seem hurtful. And that's what's going to happen is a wound is going to come his way and he's going to have to decide either I'm going to go or I'm going to grow. Because what do I grow in when I stay? I grow in forgiveness. I grow in the God kind of love, the unconditional love, the love that says I'm staying and I'm forgiving you, and I'm going to have grace for people, and I'm going to have understanding that people aren't all perfect. I'm going to grow if I don't go. He's got to remain. Maybe he could join the ushers. Tell you what, that would help. You join a team, you get you get rooted down even more. Now you got people calling you on Monday if you missed on Sunday. Hey, where were you? We needed you. Maybe you need that phone call. Maybe he's going to need that phone call one day. He should join a team. Jesus said it this way. He's talking about the body of Christ, and we got to We've got to connect to the body of Christ in, in the same way that, that we're rooted down near the water. When you're connected to the body of Christ, you have that life blood flowing to you. That life healing blood that comes into your life and brings healing to your life. We need that blood. We don't want to be disconnected from that body because to be disconnected from it would be withering. You don't have that blood coming to you. We want to stay connected to the body. So Jesus said this. He said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. John, John chapter 15 verse 1. I'm the vine, you're the branches. It's the tree again. And then he says this remain in me. Remain. Why does he say remain? Because he knows that there's going to be a propensity for people to leave, to go and not grow. He says, remain in me and you will produce a crap ton of fruit. Now, he doesn't use the, that phrasing, he doesn't use the word ton. But you're going to produce a lot of fruit. Like, this is where the fruit is, man. But then he says this, if you don't remain in me, you won't produce fruit. You will wither. You will be cut off from the branch. You'll be thrown into the fire and burned. Now, it doesn't mean you're, you're going to be burned in hell because believers still go have, have a place in the kingdom of God. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. What he's saying is your life is going to fall apart. It's going to wither and dry up, and it's going to look like ashes. He's like, no, no, you've got to stay with me here. Remain in me. One of the phrases he uses is, is Abide abide in me and, and you can look some translations say abide some say remain but abide comes from the word abode which means home so he's like make this your home see church isn't meant to be something you go to it's somewhere you return to it's a home there's a difference between being a guest and an abider someone who lives there that's made it their home I love guests, we need guests, without guests, everybody was a guest at one point, we're all our guests of God's house, and, and I write sermons for all the guests, and we all serve to have the guests be here, we celebrate the guests, but abiders today are calling the guests to become abiders, we're saying, hey, there's something deeper here that we want you to enjoy, a guest, when I, when I, I live at, <laughs> me and Kelly and Logan have a house, of course, we, that's our home, And I invite people over to the house sometimes, Sir Kelly does, and and so people come over. And a guest comes over to the house, they eat, and then they leave. That's different than the abiders, the people who live there. For us, we we do what? We invite the guest. Then we make preparations for the house. (laughs) I got chores. We begin to do stuff around the house to get it ready for having people over. Somebody goes to the store and does shopping, like a tithe. That there might be food in the house. Then the guests arrive, and and, and the homeowner, the, the abiders make sure the guests are having a nice time. We entertain the guests. We get to eat too. But we make sure they're having Did you get enough to eat? I hope you liked it. Did you enjoy it? I love that. And then after the guest leaves, the abiders have to clean up the place. We got dishes to do, we got more to do, we have to keep staying, we have to get it ready for the next event. We're abiders. And so my challenge, it looks like today, we root down when we become part of the team. My son Logan, he volunteers for the worship department. He's a guitar player. I love it. I've got this 15-year-old boy coming down here every Thursday night to be around the other kids his age and practicing praise and worship and preparing for the guests. And then on on the weekends, he gets here on Saturdays at 4 o'clock early, three hours before service starts at 7 for the youth and and they get their sound checks, and they get all ready, and then they worship God. You know, when he's around these other kids, though, there's sometimes drama. You get a bunch of kids together, and you're playing music, there's a lot of feelings out there. Right? Musicians tend to be a little more emotional people. I know I am one. We get our feelings hurt, and there's drama sometimes. And so Jesus says this. He says, Abide, abide in me, stay with me, and then he says this, remain in my love, suddenly brings up love, as he's talking about staying connected, he's saying remain in my love, and then he says this, that my joy might be in you, and your joy might be complete, how many want to be happy in this life, so he says there's a completion of joy here, and he's going to show you, he's going to show you the secret, I'm going to put it together for you, he says no greater love hath anyone than he laid down his life for his friends, so you come and you, you join a team. Maybe, maybe today before you leave, you're like, you know what? I'm not going to be a guest. I'm going to be a biter. I'm going to go find an usher. Go find an usher and say, I want to join your team. Go find a greeter and say, I want to join your team. Go to the children's ministry and grab a worker and say, I want to join your team. I want to help you. I want to help in this place. You, what happens when you get on a team? You ever been on a sports team before? I tell you what, if you've been on a sports team, you know what it is to have that camaraderie or soldiers who are in the Navy or in, in the Air Force together, and they, they get in a, in a group, in a platoon, or whatever you want to call it, and they fight together, there is a camaraderie that happens. There is a connection that happens that is deeper. It's like family. You become like family with each other. Those relationships last a lifetime. Because what? Because you joined a team. But what happens is you got to love. Jesus is like, listen, I need you to get some love in your heart, because when you get close to people, there's going to be drama. And what are you going to do? You're either going to go or you're going to grow. What are you going to grow in? You're going to grow in the love of God. You're going to grow in the love of God. Why? Because you got wounded, but you're going to stay. But Jesus, I got hurt in church. And he goes, yeah, me too. Me too. But I want you to grow in the kind of love that I have for people. Because if you will, it will reprogram your heart and you're going to have a better life. Because you're going to grow. Why? Because you can either get miserable around people or you can have joy, and the difference will be whether you love them or not. If I don't love them, I'll get bitter, and I'll be unforgiving, and I'll be unhappy, and I'll be miserable in this world, and I'll finally go because I can't stay any longer. I just can't take it. But if you learn how to not keep record of wrongs, if you learn how to forgive your brother and not take your anger to bed with you, if you learn how to love people and have understanding and grace, you become a happier person because people can't change your character anymore. I don't get my character from how you treat me. I get my character from God. Because why? Because I'm, you're going to learn how to love. And what's going to happen is the family of God becomes a restoration center for your family. It's true. The family of God becomes a reprogramming center. God's house is a reprogramming center for how family's supposed to work. Somebody said to me the other day, how'd you do it? And I said, how'd I do what? He said, married 30 years. You guys, your and your wife seem super happy. And you got, your kids are all in God's in church. And how'd you do it? I said, well, it really didn't start with me. It started with my mom and dad. They came out of broken families. And, the, and then they got born again. But how are they going to make their family work when all you've known is brokenness? You have no training ground. But they began to plant in God's house. And the one thing I can say about my mom and dad that's different than a lot of believers. See, I've been born born again since 1977. I've seen a lot of families come and go from church in general. And I can say this, the one thing that was different about my family, lots of believers that loved God, read the Bible, prayed, worshiped God, lots of believers like that. But the ones that planted in God's house, I noticed they got a different result. My mom and dad planted in God's house. They rooted down deep and got that water in their in the root system. What happened was we began to flourish as a family. I mean, think about it, they had to navigate not just raising me, but raising Scott. And come on, the miraculous power of God's water. Me and my brother learned how to love each other because in a family you may fight, but you're still brothers at the end of the day. In a family, you're, you may fight, but if you're committed to that marriage, you're still married at the end of the day. And that's what happens with marriages. Sometimes it gets rough, and you either go or you grow. And what I'm saying today is one of the things that you learn in God's house is you learn how to stay and be planted in every relationship, in every situation. So when your best friend betrays you, you can either go and find a new best friend, or you can grow, and have this relationship with that best friend get even stronger than it was before. It's a decision that we make every single day, and we make that decision in God's house too. We either go, or we grow. Grow in what? Grow in the love of Christ. I was at a Starbucks having this conversation with a guy about the God's house and church, and you know, inviting him to church and telling them how it changes your life. And I was being a little verbose and overbearing, as I am sometimes with new people. And he says to me, uh, you know, I, well, I said to him, I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm an aviator. And this is how my brain works. Like in a split second, I thought, that's a cool, like, aviator. I thought, that sounds so tough. And, you, and then I thought, he didn't say, I fly planes. Because that doesn't sound nearly as cool as aviator. And then I started to think about what makes aviator cool and I thought it was the aer. <laughs> so my brain works. It's like crocodile is not nearly as cool as alligator. You know what I mean? I'm a teacher? No, I'm an educator. It's just better, right? Do you feel me? Like like terminator. Well, Darth Vader, right? It's just like it's perfect. So he he says this and I mean without blinking he goes, "What do you do?" And I said, "I'm a churchinator." We should all be church When I was a kid, my dad put me in the worship band and in drumming. I tell you what, put your teenager in God's house. It makes a difference. Because every weekend when I was 15 and 16 years old and struggling with the world and chasing girls all week long and up to the wrong thing. and You know, I definitely wasn't living as a Christian. That's for sure. I have some people from my high school right here. You remember, right? Now, don't nod too much and don't laugh too much. I was a bad dude. I was not the, I was not the good person. And, and uh, every weekend, I'd sit on that drum set, and I would, there would be a reckoning between me and God every weekend. God, I'm sorry. I failed you again. And I would get my head put back on straight every weekend. And I needed that because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was fine. Thursday, forget it. I was starting to tank by Friday. I was off the rails. But then Sunday would come along and i like, I'm sorry, Lord. I'll be better. And I needed that. I needed that. That saved my life. And you took me out of church two or three weeks, man. Forget it. There's no return now. I needed it every week. See, not only do we fight sometimes with others, but we fight with ourselves. And being in God's house makes a big difference. And maybe your spouse needs that this week. Maybe your teenager needs it every week. Maybe they shouldn't be missing even once. Maybe they need that reckoning. And it does something to a family when a family comes to church together. I raised my family in this church. My parents raised us in church. It does something to a family when when you stop everything and make it a priority. That things things menial don't interrupt God's house. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1 talks about, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you. So Paul says, I'm fighting for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many have not seen my face in the flesh. People that didn't come. I'm fighting for every believer, he's saying. That their hearts may be encouraged. I'm fighting for every believer that they would be knit together in love. Being knit together in love. You know, God is knitting us together in love in his house. He's knitting us together. I had to sew my, my son's leather seats together in his car. We're restoring an old car. And I, the leather was torn. I didn't want to buy new seats because it's just too much money. So I, I'm, sew, I'm sewing. I was sewing seats together, and I learned something about sewing. I wanna watch YouTube videos to figure out how to do it and get the right stuff, and I was sewing leather seats, and they came out pretty, by the way, but I'm sewing them, and I noticed something. The fabric doesn't want to pull together. It has a tendency to pull apart, and I thought, that's just like people. God's knitting us together because we have a tendency to, whoa, you're in my personal space. Too close. Because why? Because proximity creates vulnerability. The closer people are to me, the more they're likely to see what I'm really like. And I'm not sure I like myself. They're, they're likely to see my weaknesses and the, and the problems that I have with myself. There's an article in eLife just last year that, that studying the strength of forests. And the forests that were the strongest were the ones with two main attributes. Number one, diversity of trees. Number fruit trees of all kinds will be growing is what it says in the Bible. In Ezekiel 47:12. Fruit trees of all kinds, diversity of trees and density of trees. How close they are together and how different they are is what makes the forest the strongest. So there's something about God trying to strengthen the forest that's safe from the storms, it's safe from the attacks, where there's strength in numbers. We, God's saying a plant here because there's a strong tree there and there's a strong tree there and there's a strong tree there and they're coming closer together like he's knitting us together and then you're like, whoa, too close. And you're like, whoa, hey, easy, buddy. Oh, oh my goodness, you're still here, okay. And so there's, there's what? There's vulnerability in proximity but there's strength in density. What's he doing? He's making you stronger. He's not saying wall off your heart. He's saying open up your heart and be vulnerable with each other because the strongest relationships are an open heart, one where God can knit us together in love. But here's what he's doing. When you sit there with your spouse, he's knitting your hearts together. Oh, praise God. When you sit there with your family, he's knitting that. When you come to church with your family, he's knitting the family together. He's pulling you together. That propensity to push each other away draws you together, though. He's pushing back on that. What do we happen? What do we do? As we get closer and closer to each other. We join some team. We meet some brothers and sisters at the church, and then we get closer, and we start to see what they're really like. And we find out that in church, not everyone's perfect. They claim to be Christians, but they don't act like Christians, Pastor. Yeah, I know. What are you going to do? You're either going to go, or you're going to grow. What are you going to grow in? You're going to grow in the love of God. Because at what, what, what point does God give up on people? Never. He positions you in a place among people who are very different from you. He pulls you in, pulls them in closer, because he's training us in the love of God. Don't go, grow. Don't go, grow. Don't go grow. Come on, people of God, don't go. You grow. You stay planted. You be immovable. You be unshakable, and watch what God will do in your life. Give the Lord some praise right now. Did you receive something today? I just encourage you, be generous. Help us get this word out to the rest of the world, and then I ask this question. If you were to face eternity today, do you know what eternity looks like for you, and would you have peace with Father God? Here's the good news. God has already offered the free gift of eternal life to anyone who will believe. You might say, believe what? Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for your sins and rose from the dead. Make him the Lord of your life today, and you can start having this fruitful, flourishing life that God promises, flourishing in the things that matter. I'm going to pray this prayer. You just repeat after me. Make a decision for Jesus today. Make him the Lord and King of your life. Repeat after me. Dear Father God, Forgive me of all my sins. And Jesus, I believe in you. You're the son of God who died for sin and rose from the dead. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time, or maybe you came back to the Lord today, you've been away for a little while, our service leaders are going to raise their hand right now. Go talk to them. The one that's closest to you is your service leader. They have a Bible that'll get into your hands. They could pray with you if you'd like. But here's the most important thing I can tell you. Just be back in church next week. We do 12 weeks of church in a row, the church challenge. Watch what God will do in your life by being in his house 12 weeks in a row without missing. It's an amazing thing. We have water baptism available to you, livingwordevents.com. If you've never been water baptized and you want to be, it's an amazing time. You can invite your family and friends out to it or you can just do it alone. It's up to you. We do it on the first Saturday of every month. So check your calendar and figure out how you can get water baptized. We also do Holy Spirit baptism at the same time. So we encourage you with that. Remember what Jesus said. He said, go out there and compel them to be in my house that my house might be low, might be full. If you are new, I would like to meet you. Pastor Kelly and I will be right outside those doors. Don't run off. Come over and say hello to us. It'll only take a moment of your time. Invite people to God's house that His house might be full. I love you guys. I'm
0: standing with you. God bless you. Have a great morning. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Amazing word today. Just to remind you that we have a Living Word Bible Church church app, and you can get on that app and get all the the teachings that go on here at Living Word. Quick announcement. Happy Mother's Day. We have uh, cupcakes out there for all the mothers, so get your cupcake on your way out. This week, uh, Ladies Bible Study, it's on 10 10 a.m. on Wednesday, Thursday p.m. at 7 p.m., and I am going to be speaking this week. I would love for you to come out, get that one hour of power. It's going to be a great time. We have an outreach going on living word outreach okay what they're gonna do is a uh, serve day at the house of refuge now what the house of Re- refuge is it's um, it's a program for families that are experiencing homelessness and um, domestic abuse and what they're gonna do is they're gonna go to a home and they're gonna paint the interior of that house if you are looking for an area to get involved in Go to livingwordoutreach.com. You're going to sign up for it. It's on May 19th. It's from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. If you're looking to do that, get involved. Go to Outreach.com. We have our high school and our junior high camps. Those are coming up. Go to livingwordevents.com to sign up your teenager. We've talked about that for many we- many weeks now. And then, of course, coming up in summer is our kids' day camp. All right. I would love for you to stand with me as I close in prayer. If you are a newcomer, please come meet us. We'd also love to pray with you. All right, let's pray. Father God, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I praise you and I thank you for this word today. It is the truth that sets us free in our lives. And each and every day we get up and say, this is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen, be blessed and have a happy Mother's Day.
1: We introduce to you Living Word Virtual Church Community. Each week, we come together during the live stream chatting with each other through live comment sections. Then, during the week, our virtual church community reconnects in online share groups to discuss the weekend service and study the Word. To sign up, visit the Living Word virtual church community page on our website. We'll see you there.